You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 434 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening. It's January 21st. It's been a while since I have talked to my co-host on this program. He is, of course, Scott Coleman. Scott, how are you in 2024? Yeah, there you go. Happy New Year, Brad. It might be January 21st, which is probably about 15 days beyond when you can really tell people Happy New Year. But Happy New Year to you. Good to hear your voice. Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there. Hope everybody is doing well and staying warm. We are getting closer and closer to the start of spring training, which is exciting. It is. uh, And, you know, part of this hiatus from you and I specifically was planned. You had a trip. I had a trip. We skipped an episode because of something that came up for me. uh, New stuff. And also, quite candidly, there's the benefit of there are five regular voices on this podcast network and we are only two of them uh and there there has been content in the last three weeks on this podcast network from chris willis from stephen tolbert from sean coleman uh all that fun stuff so if you're a new listener somehow in mid-january first of all thank you for listening and second of all please subscribe to this podcast network you will get the basically the three shows in separate form and also together with the price of zero dollars, ratings, reviews, all that appreciated. But yeah, we're getting closer to the season. Probably going to be our last show between you and I before we fire up the sort of season preview canon when we kind of do our usual ramp up to the season, talking about all the position groups, bullpen, position players, infield, outfield, starting pitching, etc. We'll kind of dive deep as people start to kind of get back into baseball mode because while you and I never leave baseball mode, a lot of fans we do understand don't necessarily live and die by baseball in November, December, January, but uh, spring training is now three and a half weeks away. As you and I are recording this podcast, pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day. As you and I have often joked, nothing really happens when they report, but it's also a day to kind of circle on the calendar and get excited about baseball because I don't know about you, with the NFL playoffs kind of ramping down, it's like a good unofficial unofficial sign that baseball is like kind of on the way. Super Bowl is right before the spring training arrival and uh, we're almost there. I don't want to overstate it, but we're almost there. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer. Valentine's Day, a love of baseball, right? Uh, but you know, spring training is is funny because it's so long. You know, especially with the pitchers and catchers reporting so early, there's always the excitement of seeing the guys, and uh, you know, it's great to see the pitchers and catchers, and then players follow about a week later. And if you check social media, a lot of players post workout videos right now, and they're clearly ramping things up for spring training and then the regular season, of course, there's always excitement on the first day when everybody shows up and then it becomes, at least for me, like nobody get hurt mode for the next month 
as everybody shakes off the rust and seemingly there's always pitchers who have an ailment here or there, hitters who are a little slow getting off the tee. But uh, regardless, it is, uh, you know, we're almost to the end of January. And while the big league roster is probably pretty set, we're going to talk about a couple of positions they might address over this next month. Uh, you know, the fact is the Braves are pretty set one through 26 right now. Maybe there's a couple of spots up for grabs, but ultimately, you know, this team is in good shape and they're still kind of crazy and very on brand for Major League Baseball. But there are still quite a few big name free agents still out there. There's some uh, rumored trade targets who have not been moved yet. And it sounds like the price remains really high on a few of those guys. So, it will hopefully be a pretty interesting next few weeks around the league, even if the Braves aren't necessarily going to be super involved with anything major. Yeah, part of the reason why there was this little bit of a lull for Braves content in January was because they kind of did all their work already. And it, it was pretty busy, actually, for about you know six weeks to two months of transactions and movement. And they kind of moved. I don't, I don't want to call it early because, like you said, it's it should be probably faster. But... There are still like four or five of the top guys still still out there as of late January, but the Braves are not like probably going to be in the mix for any of them. So I don't, I don't want to close the door entirely on that, I suppose, because Alex can be creative, but it feels like they're mostly set, which kind of leaves us in this uh, in-between space. By the way, speaking of Alex, since you and I last talked, uh, he signed an extension through 2031. That was for me anyway, the most interesting part of that transaction was that you don't often see publicly available contract information. And by the way, we'll probably never find out what he actually makes on an annual basis financially because he doesn't have to reveal that. But 2031 is an extremely long executive contract. And I think he obviously earned that. Alex is one of the best in the business. But um, that's kind of the thing that took me, not necessarily by surprise, but um, the press release was like, oh, Alex had an extension. It's like, yeah, duh, of course he did. But that was really long to the point where I believe only Austin Riley has an extension that's longer than Alex right now. And uh, yes, people stay long in these jobs. Like Brian Cashman has been doing the Yankees bidding since like I was a child <laughs> at this point. But he's not signing 10-year deals. He's signing like three years at a time and just keep extending that. Alex is signing a what's what six-year extension? Like it's a very long deal. And again, he earned it. But that was kind of like my number one observation from that from that transaction because you know, it is what it is. It's a GM slash Pobo deal, but uh, there you have it. Yeah, long-term deal. I know just around the league, it was pretty eye-opening for teams. It was like, wow, man, a seven-year deal for a front office executive. You generally don't see those. And it's funny because it kind of, in some ways, reminded me of the long-term contracts that guys like Spencer Strider and Michael Harris signed because – those players are going to be with the Braves no matter what for six or seven years. And when I think about Anthopolis and his track record, I, I, it would be hard to envision a scenario where he would lose his job. I, I know that he has had, he, the team has had a handful of early exits in the playoffs. That's really not something I blame Anthopolis for. There's only so much you can do as a general manager when trying to navigate 162 games plus spring training, plus the playoffs and the randomness that comes with it all. So I mean, you, you talk about six straight division titles since he took over. The World Series in 2021 is going to hold a lot of weight for a long time. And for him to get that security, he certainly is, has earned it and deserves it. I'm sure he'll sleep very well. 
Um, I wanted to get your idea, Brad. What if you had to ballpark? What do you think Anthopolis makes on a yearly basis? Oh Lord. Um, honestly, I'd have a better idea in the NBA. Um, in baseball, I mean, he's got to be making eight figures, right? Oh um, wow. I, I was gonna guess five was my maybe. Well, I really don't have any idea. I, I do think when in general, and look, I, maybe I'm wrong about this. I, I do know. I do. I know this. In general, manager salaries until recently, where they've kind of gone back up, there were a couple of big manager deals in the last year. They had gone down actually in recent years compared to like front office salaries because I think the kind of the uh, the jig is up and with managers where you kind of know that um, most of the wheeling and dealing is actually above the manager. Um, but I'm saying that because this is his second deal with the Braves or third deal with the Braves. I can't remember. And also, Alex. Is very obviously seen as the you know maybe not number maybe not definitely the number one but certainly the number you know in the top three or four executives in baseball I would have them number one personally and all the success they've had this kind of length maybe he took a little bit of a discount for the length but like I would I think it's over five I would be pretty stunned if it was not but I could see him making ten million dollars a year I know in the NBA he'd be making that more than that for sure at this level um because no, that, that's I, probably right yeah. I mean, Craig- I just look, Craig Council, who of course left Milwaukee to sign with the Cubs, uh, got a five-year, $40 million deal. And that was like so, a landmark amount of money for a manager. Like that's a yes. record-breaking contract and earned. Huge. But, you know, in general, though, again, like manager salaries seem to be below GM salaries, or at least in Alex's case, his president salaries in baseball, because I think there was this holistic move kind of away from the importance of managers and toward front offices. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, um, anyway, it was interesting. It, it popped into my head and I thought... Hmm. It's probably a lot of money, Scott. Uh, that's my analysis. It's probably a lot of money for a lot of years for Alex yeah. Anthopoulos at this point. And um. deserved. <laughs> and while, you know, I think fans know this, but in case you know, they don't, you know, the president of baseball operations is not just working the phones, making trades and signing free agents. I mean, there is a whole business side of the Atlanta Braves that Alex is very involved with, with staffing. Uh, support staff on the field, off the field. I mean, he has his hands in a lot of things. So it is a massive job. I know, I, I don't know if Alex has ever necessarily talked about it, but John Coppolella back in the day did an interview and just talked about his day-to-day. And I mean, they're during the season, especially, they're regularly pulling 10, 12-hour days uh, easily and add in probably even more when it's draft time or trade deadline time or, or whatever it might be. So uh, he works very hard. Good for Alex. Uh, Twenty thirty one. That's a long time for a general manager. But um, again, man, I mean, the record speaks for itself. And I know it was funny. We're going to do, I think, a couple of mailbag questions towards the end of this episode if we have time. And one of the questions was about job security for Anthopolis <laughs> and Brian Snitker. Yeah. If there was another early postseason exit or postseason miss in 2024. And my my general reaction to that was if the Braves fired Alex Anthopoulos, his phone or his agent's phone would quite literally ring 29 times from the other 29 teams in the league within minutes. I mean, truly, he is a very coveted and talented individual, uh, had a, a good track record as well in Toronto and then was forced out, of course, then went to the Dodgers, learned a lot, was part of some great teams there as kind of a second in command so um, overall, great to have Alex in town. It seems like he's well-liked by the players as well. And uh, yeah, good for him, man. That's that's a lot of money and, and he is worth it. 
Yeah, all he has done since he took over as the number one exec for the Braves is win the division every single year, win the World Series, and set up the roster in a way that is the envy of the entire league. Is that good as a combination of things? It it doesn't suck. And, you know, to be totally fair, I mean, he inherited a lot of this, right? Like, yes, he's he's put his stamp on the organization, but there was a ton of talent when he oh, took yeah. over in 2017. But to his credit, he could have come in and unloaded Ronald Acuna Jr. for uh, a mega impact talent, right? Or or an Ozzy Albies who was young in his career or whoever, Max Freed. Uh, he, of course, was oversaw the drafts for Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. So he has absolutely put his touch on the organization. But uh, he also did a good job of managing the system that he inherited because um, you know, you can be given the keys to a Lamborghini, but you have to know how to drive it or you can get, get yourself into some trouble in a hurry. That's right. Uh, so we'll leave that there, but obviously uh, well earned. And I know there are, for whatever reason, some Braves fans that don't love Alex and I don't understand why, but uh, I think that we uh, we do. I think he's, he's very good at his job. Um, moving on from there on the newsy side, since last time, last time we talked, um, we never talked about the Chris Sale extension. You and I, I don't have a ton of takes, but I, I do want to make sure that we get you on the record if you have anything to add. It was kind of an interesting extension and that it wasn't an extension kind of like they kind of tore up his existing deal and added on. They kind of guaranteed a second year for um, maybe to make that more appetizing. It was at least a, for me anyway, a show that the Braves are confident enough that sale will not just be a zero. <laughs> I know that obviously they wouldn't have thought they would have traded for him if they, if they thought that, but they could have done the more risk-free approach, and they chose a slightly riskier one, but also with more upside, it seems like. Yeah, having the club option for the third year is valuable. Uh, I think my feelings are probably what they were when we did the emergency podcast right after the trade. You know, if he's able to stay healthy and his health cooperates for the better part of the next two years, it's going to look good. And if another weird and bizarre injury, which he has been prone to, especially the last couple of seasons, if he has a few injuries, then, you know, it's probably a fair question to ask why you give him the guarantee in early January 2024 when you could have just played out this season and then had the option for next year. So uh, no real takes. It'll be good to have Chris hopefully on the mound a whole bunch, as we outlined in that trade podcast, whenever he has been healthy. Basically, his entire career, he's been really good and really effective. And you just have to hope that with a healthy offseason, which I think is really important for a guy like him, he's multiple years removed from the Tommy John surgery as well, which is a good sign. So overall, you just have to hope his health cooperates. And if he's going to be able to slot in as the team's number three starter next year behind Freed and Strider, I mean, you talk about if all three of those guys can avoid injury next year with, with Charlie Morton and whoever's going to be the fifth rounding out the bottom half. I mean, that should be a tremendous rotation and one that should be able to carry the Braves pretty well. Um, you know, especially we know how few starts they got out of Freed last year. And of course, guys like Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson were hurt all year too. So having that depth is really going to be important and hopefully they have healthy years out of that big three. Yep. I uh, concur with all of that. You know, arbitration deadlines came and went to South time. You and I talked Freed and AJ Minter avoided ARB hearings uh, not too much to add there. They were always going to be on the team, but we'll see what the future looks like for both these guys. I mean, obviously, Freed's been a topic of conversation for a long time to the point where basically everyone thinks he's going to walk, um, or at least not guaranteed, but is probably going to walk at the end of the season in free agency. AJ Minter is going to be a free agent too, and you know isn't quite as 
impactful as Max Free, but is a really good pitcher and for a lot of teams will be the number one reliever. And uh, we'll talk more about him when we get to like the, the bullpen preview, but um, just something to keep in mind that I was kind of maybe not reminded of, but thinking of more when there was some extra coverage of his arm hearing or lack thereof. It's like, oh yeah, AJ is a big name and like he's not like he's not like Josh not like Josh Hader, but if he hits free agency and is healthy, he's going to be somebody's closer for a lot of money, you'd imagine. Yeah, I would think so. I was actually looking at AJ Minter's career numbers the other day. And over the last three seasons alone, he was seventh, I believe tied for seventh in war among all relievers in Major League Baseball. And the only guys ahead of them were certified all-stars out of the bullpen, and they were all closers. So the fact that the Braves don't even give A.J. the ball necessarily in the ninth inning is is just really impressive. He has been very, very good for basically his whole career. He had that one season where he was a little banged up with the shoulder injury in spring training and just never was himself. I think that was 2019, if memory serves. But he's outstanding, so nice to have his uh, deal done. They don't have to go to a hearing. Same for Max Freed. It seems likely that Max is going to hit free agency in a year. I guess you never say never. Things could always come together and, and you could do a long-term contract, but it just feels like for a couple reasons, and we've, you know, I think these are well known, but you know, Max seems likely to to go to free agency and, and then who knows where he ultimately ends up. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a newsy item. They didn't add someone from out of the organization that was noteworthy. Uh Luis Giorme is on a one-year deal for about a million-ish dollars as a utility infield option. It is a major league deal and he is out of options. So if they don't keep him, they're going to have to pay him. It seems like um, not a ton of money. So like it's not they're, like they're super committed, but he seems to be the front runner now, just judging by that to back up everyone on the infield. And currently he's the only backup infielder on the 40 man because David Fletcher was outrighted to Gwinnett. He's still probably going to be in the mix. They tried to have, you know, pray someone someone would claim him on waivers and nobody did. So it could be a battle between Guillaume and Fletcher. But um, a guy who's like a, you know, a very typical utility infield backup. He was with the Mets. Decent enough glove, it seems like. More of a second baseman, not, not a huge arm. But like, you know, what did you make of that? They were always going to probably sign somebody else to do that role. Uh, I wasn't thinking of him particularly, but he seems like the most prototypical backup infielder in the world. Yeah, not necessarily flashy, but you know, a solid veteran utility guy. And I I would guess that Guillaume, unless he comes to spring training and just doesn't have it, I would imagine he's gonna find himself on the roster. Yeah. It, it is only a million dollars, as you said. So if if he just doesn't look good in the spring, it's basically a million dollar tryout and you cut ties and no harm, no foul. But I'm gonna guess that Guillaume makes the roster. Uh, one quick note on him, uh, Justin Toscano of the AJC, uh, who used to cover the Mets beat, did say that Guillaume is a tremendous human being, really well liked in the clubhouse. And so a, brave, so a Braves guy, a Braves backup yes. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> on brand. Yeah, on brand for what Brian Snitker and Alex Anthopoulos have targeted uh, in the clubhouse. So, um, yeah, I, you know. You can do a lot worse than Luis Guillorme, a veteran. I'm sure he's welcoming the opportunity to win and win big as he ends the the you know the end of his career. So, um, yeah, not a super high impact signing. Let's hope that everybody on the infield stays healthy and uh, we don't have to see Luis a whole bunch this year. It would be though incredible television if he were to get say a pinch hit appearance against the Mets and beat New York with like a walk off home run or something. That would be just a a lovely 
uh, jab into the ribs, I guess, for for Q Horme. Uh, the Braves have a history of taking guys from the Mets and getting something useful out of them. So hopefully he's able to add on to that. But um, yeah, just a, a nice bench piece overall. Yeah, and honestly, to your point there, there's something about the Braves, not only the culture they want, but also just kind of the role. Um, I'm not doing the detour towards should they play guys less that we've talked about before, but in reality, the Braves do not rest their guys uh, very often. And that means the backups, if no one gets held, if no one gets hurt, the backups just don't play very much. And I think you kind of have to be a certain kind of guy to be like totally cool with that and be plugged in. You know, you want to envision every pro baseball player is like, you know, ready to do whatever's asked. And certainly they would be, but I hope that's coming across correctly. It's just that I think that if you're signing up for a role with the Braves as a backup and a pure backup, you're just not going to play very much. And there's yeah. something to be said yeah. for like being okay with that. Uh, like not, not necessarily all, all the way to the, till the Culberson level of literally never playing for weeks and weeks and weeks last year. Um, I think Jeremy would play more than that. if He was around. Um, and look, he's not as good as Nicky Lopez in my mind, but he's, he's just like a, he's better than Adrianza. It's like the, the midpoint between Adrianza and Nicky Lopez. And also a guy who's beloved in the clubhouse. And, and that seems pretty yeah. on brand for me. Yeah. Clubhouse vibes. Very important. Clearly, the Braves have a good thing going in the clubhouse, and they've been, I would say, strategic in who they bring in, trying to make sure. I know when the Chris Sale deal went down, I know Anthopoulos talked about they do a lot of homework on the player off the field, right? How is he in the clubhouse? Is he a good person? Is he good in the community? That That's something they really value. And I would, I mean, I would assume that all 29 other front offices value that equally, but you know, it's been a theme for the Braves, so... Hey, if Yorme's making a million bucks and making one or two plate appearances a week and maybe filling in on a hot Sunday afternoon every now and then, that that's not a bad gig for a, a veteran utility guy. You can do a lot worse on a team that should win comfortably 95 plus games. Um, and, you know, he's, he's you know, he's familiar with Atlanta, of course. He's been in the area quite a bit. So um, yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I'm guessing we won't talk about Luis a ton this season on the podcast, but nonetheless, say you know a veteran name who is known because he's been in the East for quite some time. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So as we kind of get into some mailbag questions here, this is not like a mailbag question in particular, but we got a lot of questions about this. I know I did. I'm sure you did. The Battery Power account did on social media about like kind of what the Braves need to do still. It seems to me that there is a clear number one priority that they still have to lock down. Um, but I'll ask you, like, what is on your radar? Because, you know, aside from making a big splash that we would be excited about, but doesn't seem likely after the sale trade, um, it, it seems like there's kind of one thing for me. But is there somewhere else or something that you're looking for that the Braves still have to do in the next not even necessarily between now and Valentine's Day, but, but between now and opening day. You know, nothing pressing. Quite honestly, I think they could go into opening day tomorrow and be fine. Yeah, they could. The The one thing I think it would behoove them to add would be a right-handed outfielder of some kind. And I think that's probably the position you were thinking as well. Yes, it it was. And honestly, they just don't have a fourth outfielder. I mean, they have Forrest Wall, who is a great specialist but you don't want to ever have to hit. So yeah. like, He's I think that they, like a yeah. Fifth or sixth outfielder instead of, well, and that's, and that's fine. And, but it's not, and look, we, I think we, you and I were pretty high on the Kelnick move. And I think he is clearly going to start in left field, but it wouldn't be the worst idea to have a bit of insurance with a right-handed bat. that could play some left field. If he either gets hurt or is not good. Cause there's some platoon stuff there potentially also, you know, just injury. Like you have to have more than, three outfielders like you just kind of have to have another guy that's a that's a real guy and it doesn't have to be like a starter but and again doesn't I guess it doesn't have to be right-handed it just seems like logically it would be and one thing Brad I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Jared Kelnick is if it's going to be a platoon or if they're going to let him play basically every single day I think if it was up to me, I would play Kelnick basically every day he hits left-handed for anyone not familiar so I would be in favor of letting him hit lefties at least for the first month or two of the season and see how he does. He actually hit left-handed pitching better in a very small sample last year of 92 plate appearances. But Kelnick was actually a little better against lefties than righties last year. And if he's going to be potentially a cornerstone piece, uh, an everyday outfielder for the club, it makes sense to at least give him every chance to show that he can play every day. And if June 1st rolls around and he's hitting a buck 50 and striking out in a third of his plate appearances against them, you know, it would be nice to be able to have a right-handed outfielder to be able to add. Um, you know, to that end, though, I've seen some talk about old friend Adam Duvall. I think Duvall is too good of a player to come and basically take a full-on backup role with the Braves. Uh, he, he really, I mean, we saw last year how teams – try to avoid starting left-handed starters against the Braves. And I think if if you're an outfielder who's right-handed and you're any good, you're probably looking for more of a, a designated role because the fact is, I, I could be wrong about Kelnick, but if Kelnick's going to play every day, short of injury, I mean, you're going to be sitting that bench a whole bunch and maybe a veteran doesn't care and he'll take the paycheck and be ready to go once every two weeks. But Overall, it would be nice to add a right-handed outfielder of some kind, just as insurance against an injury. Um, I guess also if if Marcelo Zuna, who is very locked into the designated hitter spot, in case Marcel would revert back to his ways of pre-2023, that would also give you some insurance. 
Yeah, I was actually going to say that. I'm glad you did. That one of the reasons why the Braves are so kind of pigeonholed potentially is that they have they're one of the only handful of teams who are like they have a designated guy who is just the DH. Like they have no desire to play Ozuna in the outfield, and yet Ozuna at least if he's the guy who was last year is too good to not play. So it's like this weird situation where a lot of teams just have like this DH spot to rotate guys and hide guys. And the Rangers don't have that. So uh, I agree with you. I mean, if they, if Duval wants to sign up, wants to sign, wants to sign in Atlanta, come on down, Adam, we, we miss you. Um, same with a, a lot of other guys, but it might be more of a Kevin Pillar type, a little bit lower, low prof, lower profile. And that's, that's okay. They don't have to make a splash with that, with that move. It just has to be someone who, who can hit better than force wall. Yeah. And hope, <laughs> yes. I mean, truly that that's kind of the baseline, um, you know, bonus points if they're halfway decent defensively, so they could cover a corner. I mean, obviously, you know, you think about Ronald Acuna in right field with very, very good reason. The Braves are extremely cautious with Ronald. You know, if he has a tight hamstring in the seventh inning of a game on June 3rd, yeah, you pull him out of the game. You don't be stupid with maybe the best player in the league. Um, it would be nice to have a halfway competent defensive outfielder. And then if, you know, if he can hit the baseball a little bit, all the better. Um, overall, though, I mean, just uh, another body for the outfield seems like it makes sense. It does, and that's that's kind of the one main area. Other than that, you have you have noted here. I'll get, I'll give you the hat tip on this. I think there's going to be a battle of some kind at the end of the rotation. Of course, maybe for the fifth spot, sixth spot, seventh spot, eighth spot, and some of that's also going to be the long man in the bullpen. Like they probably will have someone there, and it could be it could be Ray Lopez, who they paid money for. Um, and you know we'll see. There's a bunch of guys there. The bullpen. There are a lot of guys to, that you could kind of list. <laughs> I just noticed the name that you wrote last of a certain older guy who seems to never go away. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's the typical position battles, but it really does seem to me like the only thing that I would say they quote unquote have to do is that fourth outfielder spot. And like you said, if they had to roll into the season right now today, they could, and it would not look crazy at all. And most teams, oh no, we, some, some teams are not ready to do that. The Braves would be totally fine if they had to. Yeah, they would be fine. Um, you know, looking at the bullpen, it's curious to see if they will add kind of a long a long man or a hybrid type of guy. I mean, they might already have that in the system. Waskari Noah is coming back. I mean, he was really promising before the elbow injury two years ago. Uh, you mentioned Ronaldo Lopez. I, I'm curious. I really am interested to see if the Braves give Lopez a real look in the rotation in the spring or if that was just some posturing by the front office because they signed him so early and maybe they thought it would give him some leverage and in trade talks for another starting pitcher. But, you know, they have a few guys uh, internally who could fill that long man in the bullpen. They also may not care and, and say <laughs> we don't need someone who can necessarily cover three or four innings in that in that group. Um, you know, from a numbers perspective, just quickly on the bullpen, I mean, they have basically, assuming health, six – Stone cold locks for the bullpen with Rysel Iglesias, AJ Minter, Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, Aaron Bummer, and Ronaldo Lopez. So assuming healthy, those six guys are out of options. They have to be in the majors. They're and all they're, very... all, they're all making real money. They're all good pitchers, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And as a reminder, you can only have 13 pitchers on the roster. And if you have five starters, that means you have eight relievers. So six of those spots, assuming health, are locked in. And then you still have quite a bit. You have Dylan Lee, who's hopefully going to be healthy from the shoulder. You have Tyler Matzik, who will hopefully be healthy from the elbow. 
You have Ray Kerr, who they acquired from San Diego. And from the right side, they have Daisbel Hernandez, who throws hard, was impressive last year in his debut. They brought back Jackson Stevens earlier in the winter. Uh, and then, you know, you also have this kind of glut of Gwinnett starters like Alan Winans, who could probably fill a multi-inning role in the bullpen. Darius so yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Dylan Dodd. If Dylan Dodd's throwing blowout games every ninth day, so be it. Um, and, and then there's always the old friend Jesse Chavez, who is probably ready to roll out of bed and throw a scoreless inning on nine pitches. Uh, but Jesse is quite old and they might be ready to move on. But um, no, no, regardless, no, one's, no one's ever ready to move on from Jesse Chavez. He can no, pitch as long as he wants to. That's fine. Me too. Roll him out. Give him the Julio Franco treatment. Let him pitch <laughs> until he's like 48. Um, so they could add a, another cheap arm, I guess, in the bullpen. But overall, this group is seems to be pretty locked in. I would imagine uh, they would stay internally for now. And, and then there are always spring training moves that happen. Roster crunches and other organizations. Uh, you know, you, those deals you can always add in middle and late March as other teams finalize their their rosters as well. If they sign Colin McHugh on March 2nd, I will not be surprised as well. I'm just saying. Yeah. Give him he's a still, month he's, he's, st- he's still a free agent. Uh, he's a local product. They like him. He's old, etc. And that's the kind of thing that I'm saying. Like, they don't have to do anything else, but... In general, and this is not just the Braves, most teams will sign somebody in late February, March that is just available. You know what I mean? Bring them in, take a look, and that might that might be a good uh, opportunity. Well, just, I'm not just saying McHugh, just in general. They'll probably bring somebody else in that we don't know about right now and keep an eye on it. But yeah, I, I generally agree with everything you said there, and um, we'll touch on all the kind of the battle stuff as we get closer on. That was a mailbag question. Another one that's not really like a single mailbag question, but I don't know about you, I probably stoked this fire a little bit with my own tweets about this. Um, I probably got 20 people asking me about Ozzy Albies and the MLB Network top 10 list. I don't know about you. What was your, I'm what, sorry, what was your, who were we talking account? about? We only <laughs> talk about top 10 second baseman on this podcast, Brad, and oh. Ozzy Albies for like the fifth year in a row is not a top 10 second baseman. I, so I okay. think, okay, listen, Scott, we, you and I uh, have, I think probably earned this reputation of being a little bit, you know, cold calculating. We're not super emotional all the time on the podcast. We get that that way sometimes. Not a ton of like fire back and forth between us on occasion. Uh, I I don't get super bothered, especially in January about baseball. It's not even like I'm mad. I'm just like utterly flummoxed. And look, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I could be convinced that someone who runs social Realme Network has just figured out that Braves fans are going to go nuts and provide them engagement on this one. Now I'm not saying that's what's happening, but that's a more logical explanation than looking at a list of second basemen and deciding Ozzy Albies is not a a top 10 guy. Like I have stats that I'll save and I'll give you in a second, but I mean, that's, I I got to the point where I was digging into like the mania on this one because there's just no rational explanation. And I'm not saying he has to be number one. He's not, but I mean, I can't even get him below like six or seven, even if I try. And they somehow left him out of the top 10. And um, honestly, oh, I, I meant to write it down. Did you happen to note who the guy from the A's is that's on the list that's like done nothing oh, in yeah. the majors? And his name <laughs> escapes me. Me too. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter, but whatever. Just yeah. just know everybody. I think I think he was number nine on the list. A guy who had a nice year for the A's last year, but was literally like a rookie for the A's and wasn't like incredible. He was like pretty good. And it's like, Ozzy Albies has been a star level player for five, six years. Like I don't, I don't understand any of this stuff, man. 
it, it breaks my brain. Yeah, I know. I swear. Yeah, it's it's the engagement forming. Um, it might, it you know, might be. I, I hate that, but it, might, it, really, it really might be. <laughs> it might be. It's like a running joke at this point. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't get it. At the end of the day, you're you're right. I mean, this is a top 10 list from MLB Network to get people talking on social media about baseball when there's no baseball happening, right? Um, but th there's just quite literally no defense of not having Ozzy in the top 10 at the position. He has been good for a half decade. He's basically been a top performing second baseman since the day he debuted at all of 22 years old. He's been good. He's been on a winning team. He's a good guy. He's charismatic. I mean, I, I don't get it, man. Um, yeah, these are okay, these so are the I, things that Ryle, Scott, and Brad up in January. Yeah, so I'm just gonna give a couple of numbers here because, look, I, I, there's not like explicit criteria to the point where it's not like a projection. It's not about necessarily what you did last year. If I'm doing my own top ten, it's like a combination of what you have done, how long you have done it for maybe your age and, and a look ahead. Does that seem like a reasonable criteria? It's like, okay, take into account what you've done before. If you're 37 years old, maybe, maybe, maybe forecast some downturn. Are you healthy, et cetera? Does that seem like a reasonable baseline, Scott? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Ozzy Albies is currently 27 years old, which is essentially supposed to be a prime age. Like maybe you could argue that since he is so small that maybe his prime was earlier, but no matter what, you would not argue 27 is on the downside of a career. Like You wouldn't bank in a bunch of regression at age 27 because of age. If you go back to track record, I pulled this number, which is not exactly since he's debuted, but since his first full season, and he was good before that even. So that's six years. He is number four in baseball among second basemen in Fangraph's war over the last six seasons. So if you want production over a long period of time, He's got it. Again, top five. He's number four. This last season, 2023, he was also fourth in that metric. He was fourth on second baseman in Fangraphs War on second baseman. I, okay, so he has recency. He has the last six seasons. Yeah, he had kind of a down year two years ago because he got banged up. But even then, it wasn't like he was bad. He just didn't play a lot and, and wasn't like incredible. And it, so... He also set career, he had career highs this last season in home runs, slugging percentage, WRC plus. And yeah, his defense is not incredible at this point by any means. But I mean, what what are we what are we doing here, Scott? I I, I really I don't want to prolong it anymore, but what, what are we supposed to be doing here? I, I don't think I, I I can't get him below six or seven on my list. I just can't, even if I try. Well, and he's not even like nerd good. No, I mean, he has nerd counting good. stats. Yes, like like counting set exactly home runs, runs scored, RBI, like right, like stats they've used for a hundred years now. Um, he, he grades out really high in those, so it's not one of those like bizarre. Like we, whenever the Braves traded for Nicky Lopez, we looked at his page and it was like, holy cow, this guy had a five war season a couple of years ago, and it was just because fan, uh, the defensive metrics were over the moon, right? Like this isn't just like a guy who's really grades out well defensively. And and sometimes, by the way, and sometimes like I remember once when you and I were covering a bad Braves team, like before this run when the Braves were bad for a few years. A lot of their guys got overlooked because the team was bad. And that's it's that happens across sports. Like no matter where you are, NBA, NFL, if you're on a bad team, the chances of you becoming famous or becoming more well-known are just it's just harder. You have to be better sure. to overcome yes. that, right? Ozzy's on 
arguably the best team in baseball, and he's been on con- consecutive division winners. He was on a World Series team, uh, in which, by the way, he hit 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases that season on a World Series winner. Uh, he hit 33 home runs this year as a second baseman on the best team in the league. He slugged 513 at age 26. I, I just don't I don't understand. We can move yeah. on, Scott. I just uh, I wanted to look I'll, every once in a while. We want to jump yeah. in the muck on this podcast and identify with the uh, kind of the fan outrage. It's probably good for us every once in a while. This one got me. It really did. Maybe it's because I'm an Aussie guy. I don't know. But yeah. I, I just, man, it was crazy. Ozzy, if you were out there listening to this podcast, which I am sure you were doing, I'm sure you were not. Just know <laughs> that we love you. You're a top 10 second baseman in all of our eyes. That's correct. And, uh, you know, if you have another, f- I joke like a couple weeks ago, I tweeted, you know, Ozzy's coming off a four war season, which is going to get him up to like 23rd in MLB Network's rankings. <laughs> just think, Nailed man, it. if you put together another really, really good season, you will be like, 19th on the list next year so just keep grinding get those extra workouts in and, i kind of uh, i kind of hope he has his best season ever this year as a psychological experiment against only network there like, you what, go. Happens, what yeah. happens if ozzy hits 40 home runs this year and has like a six win season is it gonna be number 11 i don't no, know I just, i'm six, actually wondering 16 um, i don't see him going above top 15 here brad Listen, I can't imagine us doing another segment on on these rankings. You know, you 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 helpfully pointed this out to me in our document that Sean Murphy and Matt Olson are both in the top three of theirs, as they should be. To be honest, um, I won't quibble with. And listen, I, I would never come on here and be like, you know what, is Matt Olson number three or number two? Like, I'm not going to do that segment in January. I'm just not going to do that. So that's what uh, that kind of just tells you how bad this one is. Where like. I can't imagine talking about a ranking of anybody else, but just leaving them off entirely. It's just this performance art. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you want to do one more question before we get out of here? Let's do one more question. Um, a question from Mathis, who says, are we seeing a direct reaction to the NLDS loss of the Braves with the revamping of the bullpen? With all the lefties, is Alex going after the Phillies specifically? Good question here. Um, one that I almost say for the bullpen thing, but we have more to talk about that for that. We talked about bullpen earlier, but... I found this to be like, it's not super revelatory, but it's a good question. And uh, it also goes to like kind of the thought process of like, how much should you gear up for a team, especially a division team that you've just been better than, but also that beat you in the playoffs? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, I don't think they would necessarily make a singular roster move in a vacuum for a specific team who they may or may not see in the playoffs nine months from now. Um, But just in general, I like the approach they have taken with the bullpen this winter. Um, In general, I think bullpen velocity is a really good thing. They have targeted that. Ronaldo Lopez throws very hard, especially out of the bullpen. Um, You know, from the left side, Aaron Bummer has big-time strikeout numbers. We know that Pierce Johnson and Joe Jimenez can light up a radar gun, maybe not at the triple digits level, but they throw hard. And you know, I think that's just a concentrated decision from the front office to add some some real velocity to the bullpen um, and, and then some depth, too. We know that last year they had to go to Brad Hand as their number two lefty, which is not necessarily ideal. So they have A.J. Minter very much locked in. Hopefully you get Tyler Matzik, who, uh, you know, if, if recent history is any indication, coming off Tommy John, relievers bounce back pretty well. Dylan Lee has is, is been successful before in the past. Ray Kerr throws hard from the left side he, in the San Diego move. So, um, you know, I think overall it's, it's good to add velocity to the bullpen. It is not the end-all, be-all by any means. 
Um, but, you know, again, it, it has to be managed correctly by Brian Snitker, but having a mega bullpen really can cover up some ground in a short playoff series. And we'll, you know, we'll see if it's ultimately round three against Philadelphia. I kind of hope not just for my mental sanity, but <laughs> Um, I do think this bullpen is going to be very good regardless of who the Braves see come October. Yeah, all good points. I don't think it's a direct reaction to Philly. It could be a little bit, I suppose. I don't think you probably would admit that. I Number one, we've talked about this a lot, but I think Alex really just believes in investing in the bullpen. I mean, we've, we've even joked about it, how much he's kind of spent money and thrown money at the problem multiple times. I mean, one that we kind of just, overlook at this point was like he traded for Russell Iglesias in year one of a big closer contract when they didn't really have like a glaring need. Like they, they kind of did, but not really like it was a, like, and then he went out and spent money this, this winter. Like he is not afraid to throw resources at the bullpen. So that kind of goes along with what he's done this time. It was like the Lopez deal was surprising, especially if they don't start him. Like on one hand, he's better as a reliever, and that's pretty clear. But on the other hand, they just didn't need to spend ten million dollars on another reliever, and they did it anyway. They bring back they bring back Jimenez. I know he's a right hander, but um, you know, yes, there's more lefties. But the I'm glad you mentioned the velocity thing because it does seem like the guys they didn't keep were granted older guys or whatever, like the McHugh types. But everyone they brought in that they actively went and targeted throws hard, and I think that that's not a coincidence. That's that's much more of a I'm not sure that's a, that's a Philly thing. That's kind of just an organizational like, hey, we want we want our guys to throw gas in the bullpen. And that's more of a playoff thing as well. Like, so you could say it's a reaction to Philly. But I, I think in the playoffs, look, we saw the the night shift team famously a couple years ago. They won for as good as they were other places. You could argue the Reds won the World Series based on their bullpen in 2021. Like that oh, was. Yeah. yeah. So and, and that's that's a perfect storm. It's like hard to forecast that those were not all guys that were like the most high pedigree guys. You got Luke Jackson down there and all that stuff. But it a worked and it did show like if you if you find it, if you find the right bullpen mix of guys who can throw gas and strike guys out and just kind of end games in the seventh inning, that is a massive weapon. And that's been the case for a long time. The playoffs. I mean, they're, they're, I'm trying to remember like World Series winners that were not the Braves recently that had this. But like, you know, the Nationals did it one, the one when they when they finally won their one. They found this group of guys who were just good at the end of the games. It was like the Sanford guys every night. Texas this year, they were throwing the same guys. Like, and it was almost like comical how often they were leaning on the same guys. And it wasn't like a depth thing. The Braves have more depth than most of these teams do. I mean, they're yeah. super deep down there. But I think Malik's philosophy seems to be we're going to try to have eight of these guys and then hope that five of them are ready in October. Yeah. And it's a long season, too. I mean, 162 games in a couple of weeks when you and I do the bullpen preview pod, we will do our due diligence and say that relievers are a volatile bunch. Oh, it's coming, baby. I'm ready for it. It is. It's like the ninth <laughs> year in a row, Brad. You and I, baby. We're going to do it. But um, yeah, hey, invest in the bullpen. I have no issue investing in the bullpen as long as the rest of the roster is in a good place. And yes. it is for the Braves, right? If if they had one good starting pitcher and they had this very expensive bullpen, I would come on this podcast and say, what are you doing, you big dummy? You should spend some of this money on the rotation <laughs> instead of the bullpen. Or if the lineup stunk, then obviously spend money on the lineup and figure out the bullpen later. Uh, but the rest of the team is really solid, and I have no issue adding in the bullpen. Uh, that is the one area, I think, of you know a season that can kind of derail things a little bit is if you have a shaky bullpen 
all of a sudden, what should be close wins turn into close losses, games that should be a blowout where everyone kind of gets to have a little bit of a breather. Suddenly, you have to warm up your closer because you were up seven, and now you're only up two in the ninth inning. So I, I really, I in total, I don't mind the bullpen being expensive and investing in it as long as the rest of the team is in good shape. We agree on that. Um, if, if the jokes are uh, always funny every time Alex throws a big contract at a reliever because it seems to be like his one kryptonite. He's just very eager to spend money on relievers. But through your lens, it does make a lot more sense and draw a lot less ire when the rest of the team is already loaded. Um, so there you go. It, it does kind of lock in. You know what, Scott? That is enough Braves baseball talk here on January 21st. I have uh, one more thing to say out loud to you. This is last time, sorry, the first time that we've talked in 2024 in this medium. It's actually only two words, and those two words, Scott, are go blue. I was going to say, Brad, we are now going to have an unscripted (laughs) 45-minute segment on the pod for Brad to sing the Michigan fight song and talk about. I would that. do that. I would do. I would do that right now in full. But I'm not. Gonna there you go. I'll hold it would be. No, I, I had to. I had to say minutes. It. Yeah, the best 45 minutes of content we do all year. Would uh, congratulations, Brad. For those who don't know, Brad Still is fun. a longtime, lifetime Michigan Wolverines fan. So good for you, Brad. Long time coming. Very happy for you. Thank you. Uh, I had to just do throw one salvo out there. Um, for those wondering why I would possibly be a Michigan fan, number one, I have been my whole life. Number two, my entire family is from Michigan. Number three, my dad. I was born this way. Uh, there are baby pictures of me in Michigan gear because my dad is a Michigan guy. And uh, so I was the I was the weird guy. I was a weird kid in uh, Gwinnett County, Georgia, rooting for Michigan and getting yelled at all, all the time. So it was fun. I had I had a good time. Uh, on the other side, Scott is uh, not only an Arizona alum but also works at Arizona right now, and they lost their football coach. So it's been a a bit of a roller coaster in the world of brad and scott's football um the colts the colts lost all kinds of stuff that you and i talked it has been uh an interesting couple of weeks in bill belichick's in my life right now kind of as a as a falcons observer like there's a lot there's a lot happening on sunday yeah January i will pay I, I you know i have no dog in the atlanta falcons fight other than i really enjoyed making fun of arthur smith but uh if if bill belichick is the head coach in in atlanta that is going to be appointment viewing for me I disagree. on socials yeah i'm going to make some popcorn and uh fire up twitter and just take it all in cuz that would be that would be wild yeah again just a step, just a time stamp this cuz they could hire him at any moment or, or not i don't know uh it is january 21st so jim harbaugh is still the coach of michigan at this moment in time the falcons don't have a, don't have a coach scott's coach changed michigan won the, michigan won the national championship uh, yeah, all, all kinds of things have happened in the month of January, but it's time to sign off, Scott. I do appreciate you doing this and coming out of your uh, of your slumber in Arizona. Uh, by the way, it was my fault we didn't do a podcast last time. Um, and it, although you were like gallivanting the world at one point in January, I have to say, uh, yeah, I was in Hawaii, which is not a bad place to start the year. Uh, I, I I thought about trying to get you to do a podcast in Hawaii just just to see what your wife would say. <laughs> she she'd have been really happy with me if I'd be like, hey, Scott, uh. We we have we have to record right now on the Chris Sale extension. Yeah, we have the to do it. Luis, I believe the Luis Guillorme signing went down when I was <laughs> emergency on... pod from Hawaii on Luis Guillorme would be an all timer. Yes, say. sorry guys, can't do dinner. Order me a mai tai. I'll be there in forty five minutes. Brad and I have to talk about Luis Guillorme and his one year deal. Would uh, there? Okay, actually, this is a fun experiment. We're off the rails now. Would there ha- would there be a transaction that would have gotten you to record from Hawaii? Ooh. Um, 
If they had gotten Otani, would you have recorded from Hawaii? Oh yeah, easy. You would you would have done it. If if we didn't have anything going on, I would have done a <laughs> pod on Chris Sale. How's that? I wouldn't have asked you. Just just to be very clear, I would not. Sure. I'm not. I'm not a psychopath. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have asked you even to do it. But if you had called me and be like, "By the way, I have to do. I, I have to share my takes on Chris Sale right now from the beach." I would have let you do it. I, I just wouldn't have asked you. It is what yeah, it is. that's fair. That's why you're a, an A plus co host, Bradley. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like Chris Sale, if I was just chilling, I mean, there's... It was a big know, move. Hawaii. We talked about it in real time. Actually, it's actually great timing because I think we might have said this at the time. You and I were like about to do one more show before you went to Hawaii. And it was like, oh, by the way, Chris Sale got traded. And it was like the day we were about to record. It was actually for yes. once in our lives, convenient. It was great. Yes. Thank you, Alex. Again, I'm sure Alex Anthopoulos listens to every moment of this podcast. So thank you, Alex, for thinking of Scott and Brad with all of your off-season wheelings and dealings um yeah if like a big one sure if we weren't doing anything there's okay. worse places in the world to record a podcast than on a beach with a drink in in hawaii we've, we've done some crazy ones i remember when the braves beat the dodgers in the nlcs in 21 uh you and eric did the podcast but i i called in on my phone and i was like outside somewhere because oh, yeah. i couldn't do the show but i did like the first 10 minutes on the phone uh we've done some wild things in, in the yeah. past but anyway if you're a new listener this probably sounds insane i appreciate you listening please come back please subscribe to this podcast scott where can folks find you if they have not already found you on social media otherwise? <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, please. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Please be sure to go to the site, batterypower.com. I am at Scott Coleman 55. Brad is at BT Roland on Twitter slash X. Uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of stuff. We're, we're getting closer and closer. We will do our uh, position group previews in the coming weeks, which is always really fun. At least I'll speak for myself. It's always really fun to really just start talking about projections and and roster battles and all of that. And uh, of course, if we get any other trades or signings in the next month before spring training really ramps up, we will be here. So again, thanks to everybody for checking us out. We'll be I'll be back here soon. Yeah, we're pretty good on this network about um, reacting semi-quickly to what is going on. Not only Scott and I on this main show, flagship show, however you want to say that, we kind of founded it. Uh, Carlos Glaza, shouts to you. Also, we have the podcast be named later with Chris Willis, who runs the entire operation, along with Stephen Tolbert on that show. And we also have Sean Coleman on the Daily Hammer. All that in this same feed for the price of $0. And please also, while you sort of listen and subscribe to the podcast network, read the website that Chris runs, batterypower.com. Scott writes there. I very rarely write, but I sometimes do write some stuff about the Braves. Batterypower.com for all of your daily Atlanta Braves needs. Scott, thank you again for being here. On this fine Sunday in January, we'll have more coming up, as you said. And uh, without any further delay, enjoy the rest of your night. If you're listening to this podcast when it first goes up, if not, enjoy your week. We'll see you all next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.